All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny. I'm joined today, as always, by Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells, along with my brother Cameron Novotny, once again, a special guest host for the second straight episode. Last week, the four of us got together to do the official 2020 He's Done It NFL mock draft, where we made the selections for all 32 first round picks. And now that the actual draft has happened, we're here to react to everything that went down this weekend. And before we get into any of the actual picks, this is a unique year for the NFL draft as everything was virtual because of the coronavirus pandemic, all the social distancing protocols. Coaches, GMs weren't able to be together. The players were all at home. Roger Goodell just doing the whole draft from his basement. Well, we had Trey Wingo in the ESPN studio talking to all of the other analysts from home. So overall, how did you guys feel everything went in terms of the draft presentation? Because I went into the first night expecting chaos, and I didn't really get a whole lot of chaos. Yeah, I thought it was um, very cringy at times, especially when Roger Goodell was like, like asking for the fans on the television to cheer that for me just felt a little bit like it's it's good that they have that because then they can say it's like this is about the fans right they have plausible deniability to say like this is for for you but really if you actually care about football it's about the players they're choosing you know they i don't even need goodell to necessarily say it i know that's their tradition but like they just need to announce it so i can find out so i i felt like the format was not that um intrusive like it didn't feel to me like it really disrupted anything yeah i thought it went a lot better than i expected because earlier in the week they were saying that they were having a lot of connection problems and i thought like Corey said it was going to be chaos but i think it turned out fine but i my only complaints were i think it yeah it was cringy at times especially when they would whenever they announced the players names of who was drafted by so and so team they would go through the player's bio and like oh what school they played for what position they played and then they would sit, and half the players i swear they all had a sad story to uh f- you know before they got to the draft saying oh this guy's mother died of cancer this guy's dad got shot and just i don't need to know all the sad stories of how they got to the draft there were so many more tragedies this year than normal or ESPN just had nothing better to talk about with the the limitations with having like actual interviews because every single player kind of felt like had some kind of personal tragedy uh, that ESPN made sure everyone knew about before breaking down the highlights. Well, did you guys feel like any of them were like uh, gratuitous or, 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 you know, kind of played up? Because, I mean, if you're going to do it for one guy, you know, like what doesn't that kind of make it uh, up for grabs for any of these guys? And maybe it's just a really unfortunate first round draft class. I felt like they were trying to play to the look at where this guy came from. Like, for example, uh, one that I think of that I was thinking of was DeAndre Hopkins, who his mom is at every game. His mom was attacked. I think she was attacked by someone when yeah, she was she younger. Was, I don't, her story like, is I out poison there. Poison attack and yeah. blinded her. Yeah, it was like a po- like someone threw like acid at her eyes, but she's totally blind. And that's a story where I read that and I was like, that's awesome. Like, that's so cool. And it, it is a cool thing. It's like one of the things that went into me, like not a big reason I like Hopkins, obviously, but 
Um, but it humanizes It was a pretty him. cool thing. It was a, yeah, it humanizes him. That was a really cool thing. But you don't need to do that with every player and you don't need to force it on them. Like, for example, one of them, I don't remember who it was, but I believe it was a third round pick. They got drafted and the person, they didn't, the guy's like trying to talk about his, you know, ex- being excited for the, to play in the NFL and all that. And the reporter would only ask him how he felt about his grandfather's death that just happened he's like oh what would you say to your grandfather if he was alive right now like i don't know like i love you uh i i'm gonna play for you and the guy he seemed really uncomfortable it was it was really crazy i wish i i was trying to find the clip i couldn't find the clip of it but stuff like that yeah that was that was awful that they felt the need to do that i'm glad i wasn't the only one that thought that because even uh Bradley Chubb, player for the Broncos, even tweeted out. He said, quote, I understand that everyone has a story and motivation, but ESPN doesn't have to highlight the worst moment in everyone's career. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it was just crazy how like some of the stories were just so out there as well. Like, um, and So I think in the days before the draft, uh, oh, there was a lot of big deal made about Jeff Okuda, uh, who uh, we want to be in the third overall pick. Um, his mom died, I believe, of cancer a week after he started school at Ohio State. He wrote this article for the Players Tribune. There was a lot of coverage about that. So going in, everyone kind of was aware of that. And then the floodgates started to open. You had guys that was like his dad pulled over on the side of the road when he was a kid to help someone who was broken down and got ran over by a car. And it's just like what? And like I think that was Caesar Caesar Ruiz. I think in the yeah. second round, even like they they kept it going and like. In, within the, the first like five or seven picks or so, you had one player who's, I think his dad was just walking on the side of the road, tripped over gravel and landed in the road and got ran over by a car. And then a couple of weeks nice. later, some some guy, his his two siblings, when he was younger, one of them drowned and another one was struck by lightning playing Little League Baseball. It's just like, you just like, what? Like, how did all these guys just get drafted together? Is this like a normal thing? Like, like if I was killed in a car accident ten years ago, would Cam have been drafted this weekend? Like, is it's just kind of insane to me, like how all these guys had these horrible, horrible tragedies that were associated with them. And it's it, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, I'm sure that these are huge for these players, motivating factors. It's something that you'll still hear about. But I definitely understand why some people were kind of thrown off by that being the immediate introduction to this player uh, being drafted in the NFL. I would argue, yes, that I would be in the NFL had you been hit by a car and that you are selfish. <laughs> I saw reports a uh, few days ago about how Kim Jong-un uh, passed away, and there were tweets under on the comment section saying, oh, man, his son would make a great yeah. NFL draft pick in the first I round. I was seeing some of those as well. <laughs> um, it was also like kind of interesting seeing some of the, the different coaches and GM setups. I think th- there were two that really stood out as just ultimate flexes. You had Cliff Kingsbury and his his like bachelor pad, whatever they had him set up in. Just his house was way too big for, for anyone to, to be doing a draft from. Um, and then Jerry Jones drafting from his yacht. And I my favorite thing about Jerry Jones's draft was uh, when they did an interview with him and they had like his assistant come over and hold the phone to his face for him so he didn't have to hold the phone to talk. <laughs> I, my favorite part about Jerry Jones was that the, the um, I think it was one of the announcers. I don't even know which one it was. He was so into the fact that he had a yacht. Like he was watching the video of, uh, they showed Bill Belichick's house and Kingsbury's house and then they showed... Who's the who's the coach of the 49ers? Kyle Shanahan. 
they showed Shanahan's house and they were like, oh, look at these houses. But do you have a yacht? I think you guys are, I don't think you guys have as much money as Jerry Jones. And it was so funny. He was just like, yeah, you look really rich, but do you have a yacht? No. I was a big fan of Belichick's dog. Nike. Yep, Nike. Nike's his dog's name. Yeah, I wonder why they. He was running the draft. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I love how um, you know Belichick. He was he was out of the picture for the second round pick um, that Nike made, so that way you know Belichick can say, "Hey, no, it was my dog who drafted in the second round." When when his uh, second round pick inevitably ends up being a bust, like it has been for the past seven <laughs> years. The war rooms really matched all the personalities of the coaches. Like Cliff Kingsbury's, he looks like Ryan Gosling. He basically had Ryan Gosling's mansion and crazy stupid love and then and then you got bill belichick who's in his normal dad dining room yeah in and, nantucket and others yeah yeah um and then you had sean payton who so i guess the the nfl according to darren Ravel, um the nfl sent a memo to draftees to tell them anything on camera should be nfl sponsors and uh sean payton and in like one scene before he was making his pick it said Crush is made by Keurig Dr. Pepper, competitor of sponsor Pepsi. Coke is a competitor of sponsor Pepsi. Twizzlers made by Hershey, sponsor is Mars. All that in there. He's just totally ignoring the NFL. He's like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to have all these things in here intentionally. So uh, definitely the kind of move that I feel like Sean Payton of all, all coaches would definitely um, you do there. Uh, in terms of like the actual... You know, draft itself so i know we kind of talked a little bit about roger goodell but he he just doesn't really have much of a personality it was very awkward and cringy with uh <laughs> basically everything he did and i loved it on like night two when uh, i think it got to like the 70th pick and you know all of a sudden he is in his like comfortable nfl football watching chair as he's like sitting down like super uncomfortable trying to to get in good position. even change wardrobes yeah uh, he also had his M&Ms where he's just randomly like, oh, yeah, some people have been asking me about this jar of M&Ms. And I can tell you it's it's getting lower and lower. Like, you know, I'm just like a normal person, like everyone else snacking during quarantine. Uh, just like doing all these little things, like try to humanize himself. Um, and I, I don't think that it really worked for anyone. I really liked that the players were, um, you know, surrounded by their family. I think that that was a good look for the NFL that it's like as soon as you get drafted um, in lieu of giving the commissioner a hug, it's giving all your the most important people in your family a hug or, you know, getting a hug from them. Um, even if you're, uh, you know, lifted from that hug because you're taking up the whole camera. Um, whose girlfriend was that? Um, Jacob Eason's. Yes, and it, when it she was like t- totally blocking the camera, and then she got like you can't really tell what happened, but it looks like somebody just like totally grabbed her and just chucked her out of the frame <laughs> um, so that she could. Um, and then who could forget Ceedee Lamb's girlfriend trying yes. to take go through his phone on national TV? Oh, yeah, and he snatched it right back. Great hands. The Cowboys made a great pick there. I can tell. <laughs> I was doubtful until I saw that, but I was like, you know what? Maybe he's got first round talent with those hands. Um, but I just thought that was hilarious. It's like. Somebody was going to do something that the internet was going to see and make fun of, and C.D. Lamb ended up being the victim. Yeah, another another girlfriend that was uh, some similar circumstances, I guess, was uh, Brandon Jones, who the Dolphins drafted. I think he is a receiver. Brandon um, Jones, I believe he's a safety, you know? Safety, okay. He's either a receiver or a DB. I, I can't tell. He's someone who tries to catch football sometimes. Uh, but he <laughs> he was like on the phone with the dolphins and his girlfriend's like reacting, finding out that he's going to Miami and just has this look as like, Oh, we're going to Miami. 
Um, and it, it, every all the reactions was like, yeah, this this girl's not going to be in the picture long term once he gets down there. <laughs> that was my reaction to so. Jacob Eason's girlfriend, the quarterback who went to Indianapolis. Yeah. <laughs> just just looking at them on the couch and her looking at him like, I thought you were supposed to go in the second round, Jake. The, nope. <laughs> and he's just on. He had the worst <laughs> body language too. He's just laying up on the couch, all bored and depressed. Like, oh, he's not gonna he's not gonna make it in the league. I, I wrote a ton of things down, but you know, one one last comment. Um, so by day three, the NFL is kind of like, all right, what do we do here? And normally when you're on day three of the draft, they're way behind on the selections. They're not taking the time to announce the selection. The NFL took it a step further this year and just put a, a Luke Bryan concert into the middle of the broadcast and no NFL fans were having it. And like, I, why, why, why would that be the time? And of all people, you're going to have Luke Bryan come up here and start singing Play It Again. Like, how is that the fitting thing to do when all these uh, players are having, like, the, the best day of their lives as they're, they're being drafted? Um, and I, I like Luke Bryan, but that was super cringy watching that. But I think I was the only one who actually watched it. I was, yeah, I was, I was like, say, I, I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was in the fourth it, round. After the fourth round, I, I kind of tuned out um, – on Saturday, but I I watched pretty much through the uh I watched about through the third round I'd yeah, say yeah I watched the and then I was just getting up I watched basically the entire first round I only watched part of the round two and three and then uh, day three rounds four through seven I didn't watch any of it the Steelers had the hundred second pick so it was like the fifth to last on the third round so I stayed up for the whole thing on. Friday night, and they also had two fourth round picks, so I made sure to watch for those. But after they made their fourth round pick, I I started to kind of do my own thing. I was initially streaming it on my laptop, and then I I just stopped and started following on my phone instead. Uh, but this is definitely uh, this year. Like I've watched more of the draft than I have in past years because I didn't have as much to do. Um, hopefully, that won't be the case in in the coming years but i do think that there there's definitely some good things like ben had mentioned with um, players being with family if if the nfl could put more cameras in players houses in the future even if they keep the green room keep you know things normal for night one i think that would be uh, a pretty cool thing to continue to see well i think the important thing is that the draft still went off basically without a hitch like it it's tough to make this kind of transition. They very easily, it's like, oh no, like such and such team is trying to make a trade, but then their Wi-Fi disconnected and then they like missed the pick, you know, or something like that. Luckily, we didn't have any situations like that. There, there were, Everything happened. There were no, according there were to plan. no trades until the 13th pick with the, the Niners and the Bucks. And I kind of wonder if it was a normal draft like any other year, like how, how much how many trades would there would have been in the first round and if there were going to be trades earlier because there were a lot of trade talks between Detroit and Miami and other teams and nothing ever happened. So you think there were teams that maybe would have traded but they were too scared of like connection issues? Possibly. I, I don't know. It's just speculating. Sure. I, I also found a weird correlation between the uh, non-trades. But then later in the draft, there ended up being a lot of trades. It, it was interesting. It was almost, maybe it was like an early draft. People just couldn't getting in touch with everyone at once was kind of difficult. I mean, you only have 10 minutes to try to figure it out. I I don't know. It did seem weird that there wasn't a trade, especially when the Lions in trade. I was like, this is, this is weird. I think it was less um, teams not being able to, you know, execute on the communication and more a lot of teams just not having as much data as they needed True. Um, to be able to, 
you know, take that risk, uh, especially with some of these guys, if they didn't go to the combine, you know, they have any kind of injury history. Like there's a lot of that where it's like, it's, it just makes it even harder to go out and say that you went up and made a trade on a guy. Um, and just to have something that under normal stick circumstances wouldn't have necessarily been an issue be the reason it doesn't pan out. It seemed like nobody had information because if you were watching the draft, they spent all of their time talking about people's dead family members. You really didn't get any analysis <laughs> yeah. of the players. They weren't, you never had them say, oh, these are the best available. Here's why. This is where they went. These are their numbers. I felt like they really weren't doing any analysis on the players available where you usually have Kuiper going over. This is who I think they should take. This is the... I, you didn't have that as much. It was so weird that they were just so infatuated on these stories that I care and like they're so touching, but I don't really want to hear them. They're personal. They're personal for these players. If they want to release it later, they can. But did um did any of us watch it on NFL Network? Uh, I watched it on ESPN. I think I watched it. On yeah, ESPN. I watched it on I'm wondering- ESPN. I, I'm wondering if the broadcast was the, the exact same. I don't think it was. I think it was because ESPN had NFL Network members like Daniel Jeremiah, Michael Irvin, yeah, Michael Kurt Irvin. Warner. They were all on the broadcast. But it was different from, was it different? Were they all the same even on ABC? Because ABC had like college game day guys. That I'm not sure. I think I think the night one they were mostly the same. But I do know, yeah, at one point they just brought in like the college game day guys on the first night so it's possible that they had different teams um i just, well, I'm just wondering because i i watched the last year's draft um the 2019 draft on abc and i couldn't believe how terrible the coverage was because they had like taylor swift talking about her her album <laughs> in between picks yeah. in the first round i couldn't believe it i, I was like wow. this isn't an insult to me and they kept on talking about how great nashville is i'm like i don't care about nashville tell me about football <laughs> and it turns out it's just because if you watch it on you know, if you watch it on casual ABC, they assume that you're just sitting down in front of the television. What's on ABC tonight? I, oh, NFL. Okay. Yeah. You know, like it's <laughs> it's not you're not there for the football. You're there to turn your brain off and, and not blink for a few hours. So I, I wonder how much of it has to do with that. But it sounds like you guys on ESPN didn't have much more football analysis than you know, like heart wrenching stories. What what hurt a lot is that Todd McShay had the coronavirus and he couldn't yep. even do any that's true analysis on the drafts they had to bring in michael irvin and booger mcfarland to even to analyze the guys (laughs) (laughs) yeah they should just have booger mcfarland do the whole thing alone next year (laughs) just at least just say the same thing for every player oh this guy's versatile this guy's physical (laughs) this guy's athletic (laughs) (laughs) this guy's an athlete (laughs) So with that, let's actually start talking about some of these picks. And uh, it's kind of chalky in the beginning. One and two, there uh, ended up not being any surprises. I know there were potential talks of trades throughout the process involving Joe Burrow and Chase Young, but Cincinnati and Washington made those two picks that you know ultimately everyone expected. And I don't think anyone's going to say they should have done anything differently. Uh, Correct. No. Nope. Yeah. So I think uh, from there, it was really with the third pick that the draft was starting. Um, And we kind of talked about this a little bit just now, but uh, the Lions drafted Jeff Okuda, and they didn't end up making a trade. I think there were a lot of uh, beliefs that there would be a trade in our mock draft. We had the Dolphins trade up to draft to a tag of Iloa, but Detroit kept the pick. And 
I think overall, if you're going to take that third pick, Okuda was a guy, but I think under normal circumstances, this pick would have been traded and it had a ton of value. And it's kind of unfortunate for Detroit that uh, teams didn't have all the medical information they needed or all the combine, pro day, whatever, um, to feel comfortable taking someone else in that spot. I totally agree. I think that they would have loved to, in my mind at least, get free picks. Who doesn't like free picks? But when it comes down to it, I don't think they're disappointed. And I, I think it it could have been, as I said before, it could have been because of the broadcast. But it also could have been, I mean, I don't know that, I think it was the Dolphins and Chargers just not seeing either Tua or, I think they think that Herbert and Tua, it's not that they don't think one is better than the other, it's that they think they neither will be a bust. So you don't need to give up picks when you feel like you can, both will be good. So I just think they didn't have the trade. I just don't think they, they got the offers. Yeah, I, which is unfortunate, but I don't think they're upset about it. They just got the one of the best corners to come out of the draft in a while, and he's he is perfect. He replaces Darius Slay. That's what they yeah, needed. I mean, that's the one thing that frustrates me about people's analysis of this draft has been like, I can't believe this team didn't trade back. They should have traded back. Trading back is so easy. It's like you're assuming there's somebody who's offering you something, right? You can't just opt for a trade back and it automatically happens there has to be a willing participant to go with you and i maybe there just wasn't one for the lions you know exactly and there were only two suitors because the lions if they had traded back and not got akuda like in our mock draft where they got who they end up with simmons yes they that would be a huge disappointment because you have who is it desmond trafont they got him to replace slay but that you He's not the guy forever. You need. I think that Okuda was their guy. They needed him. They were only trading to five or six. That was the only place they were going. And when those offers didn't come in, there was no. There's nothing else to do but take that pick. Yeah, I mean, I I think taking Okuda is definitely a smart choice there. Uh, there are definitely some risk if the Giants decided to take him or did anything to throw off their plans. So it, it makes sense from that perspective. Uh, I'm kind of curious still how things would have turned out if Miami would have been willing to move up, um, if they had more confidence in Tua Dagavailoa under a normal draft procedure. But they still had enough confidence to take him at number five. And, of course, the Chargers took Justin Herbert at number six. And I think that the Dolphins made the, the right choice in taking Tua here. Uh, I know in 2006 free agency, they pass on Drew Brees because of medical, uh, you know, injury concerns. They signed Dante Culpepper instead. That obviously has not worked out well for them. So I'm glad that they didn't make the same mistake. And he'll get to uh, play or you know be behind Ryan Fitzpatrick for a season. He's not going to need to, you know, play in 2020 because uh, the Dolphins can be perfectly fine just using like a medical red shirt per se on Tua and making sure that he's fully healthy um, in 2021. And so I know last week we, uh, you asked me, do I like Herbert or Tua more or which one do I draft ahead of the other? I, I'd be worried about drafting either of them, but I know I said last week I said Herbert, but the more I thought about it, I realized, you know what? If I were a team that took Tua and he ended up flaming out because of injuries, you know what? So be it. I think he, actually checks all the pretty much all the boxes he's mobile he's accurate maybe not burrow accurate but he is accurate and he's performed under pressure we saw him win the national championship game versus georgia years ago and 
the thing with Herbert is I worry that he just looks the part but isn't NFL caliber. And I also worry that because he's from or he come he comes from Oregon, uh all Oregon quarterbacks have just been dreadful. Uh Marcus Mariota's sucked. Joey Harrington has been, was terrible when he was drafted by the Lions years ago. Kellen Clemens and so on. Uh so I, I would pr- change my mind and say I would take two over Herbert, and I think the Dolphins made the right choice. And we could have a shortened season this upcoming season if if, if Corona is still continuing. So it could basically be a redshirt year uh, whether Corona continues or not. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that the Dolphins taking Tua at five is great. It, you know, it's like it's the guy they wanted, and he fell in their lap. You know, they didn't have to give up any uh, like picks and a trade to get him. And now they've got their franchise guy. Herbert, on the other hand, I, I agree with Brian. I don't like this pick. I don't like how early he went. I think that he's the next Mitch Trubisky, and he's going to be um, a big problem for the Chargers. And like, I, I don't think that he's good with his like. I, I don't know. My analysis of him comes from like YouTube videos I've watched of other guys breaking <laughs> him down. But they've made pretty strong arguments for him not being able to read the field very well, being inconsistent in his throws, and not improving year to year. Like he's been on the radar yep. for a while, but he hasn't gotten better in the way that some of these guys who end up being re- like early round quarterbacks do. So I think the Chargers, like, sure, it's great that they also didn't trade up. You know, uh, they didn't sacrifice more than just the sixth pick, but I don't know. I, I think he's a bust. Yeah, I mean, the biggest critique on Herbert is that he hasn't improved since his sophomore year. You know, he is a guy who he would have been a top pick last year, and he didn't necessarily do much to set himself back, but he didn't do anything to separate himself either. And, you know, given everything that has been going on with Tua Tagovailoa, you would think that if Justin Herbert was really this elite NFL quarterback prospect he could he would have gone above Tua Uh, but that didn't happen you know whether the Dolphins actually viewed Herbert the same way or not they chose Tua above him and uh, I I also don't think that Herbert is going to be a phenomenal NFL prospect Uh, I don't have a, a whole lot of faith in his ability to take the Chargers places that Phillip Rivers wasn't able to so um, you know, we did skip over number four. That was the New York Giants, and they started the run on offensive tackles, taking Andrew Thomas. And apparently, the, there were rumors that the Dolphins, if they had moved up to three, would have taken Thomas. Uh, I think that when you look at those four top four offensive linemen, you'd probably see a different order across every team's board. Uh, you just happen to have the Giants liked Thomas above the rest. Uh, but that definitely kind of started to open the floodgates a little bit potentially for O-line, although we didn't see the next one get picked until the Browns at number 10. Um, so I guess overall, I, I know, Ben, you were kind of high on Andrew Thomas. Do you like him going number four to the New York Giants? Um, so I still, I, I think in this situation, maybe I would take Isaiah Simmons instead, but I think he's a great pick. I like my SEC tackles, and um, it makes sense to see them be the first two taken off the board here um uh, so yeah i think it's a great pick for the i mean while i would rather start building that defense a little more i think that the giants also need to have a uh good o-line and andrew thomas is going to be a great tackle for his whole career he's an instant starter so yeah i think it's a great pick at four i personally really like the pick and i i disagree on the isaiah simmons i like i understand building the defense but 
you have Daniel Jones, who is, I hate I mean, everyone hated the pick last year. I, I honestly still think they reached and they could have got him later, but we don't need to go down there. Uh, And then you have Saquon. You need to let those guys, I mean, Saquon was, some of those plays he was running, he would turn into yards, but he was getting hit in the backfield so often. Imagine Saquon with space. I think you had to go offensive line here. And with so many available, with the huge drop off from four to whatever, I just don't think you really needed Isaiah Simmons. I think you needed to go tackle here, get who you thought was the best in the draft because you didn't get the you didn't get the best. You end up you're left with what the eighth best probably. I th- I think this was the right pick for the Giants. I thought this was really good. I don't know where I would go at tackle. I'm not an analyst, but of those four, it's a total toss up. Just roll a die and whatever I, I don't know flip a coin but there's four of them and i don't know but uh yeah I, I i think you did go have to go tackle here i really liked that pick for the giants i thought they did well the giants signed former patriots offensive lineman nate solder to help <laughs> their offensive line years ago and it still has been dreadful and yep. i have the exact same opinion as cam that i think it was absolutely right to go with tackle and between the four yeah it's a complete toss-up the those four that we've been talking about Thomas Wills, uh, Werfs, and Becton. They've all been touted a lot, and it's really a toss up between the four. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know which one is going. Obviously, you don't know which one's going to have the best career. It's hard to say which one is the consensus number one offensive lineman. But the Giants took the whoever was number one on their board, and I think that that was the right move is addressing that position. Um, I was a little surprised it was Thomas, but that's partially because of our mock draft in some ways. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I also reacted that way and yeah. then realized no, that we just were random lot, on our mock draft. A lot of drafts had the other three before Thomas, but once it got later and later or closer to the, mock, the actual draft, there were talks of um, Andrew Thomas being the first guy, whether that was Miami trading up or the Giants taking mm. him. Huh. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that the linemen went off the board in reverse order of how we picked them because you had Jedrick Wills go 10 to Cleveland, uh, Mekhi Becton 11 to the Jets, and then 13, the Bucks traded up to get Tristan Wirth, something that I had them do in the mock draft. Um, not as high, didn't give up as much value. I think that the worst pick is really great for Tampa, uh, but all three of those teams absolutely needed to address the offensive line based on their their horrible or not as great play in uh you know, last season, and especially with the Bucks bringing in a 43-year-old quarterback and Tom Brady, they need to keep him upright to be worth the investment. So I think all three of those teams, I really like them going offensive line there. Uh, I don't know if anyone wants to try to say that there are other positions that they should have addressed instead. No, I which totally, team is this? The no, Cleveland, the Jets, and Cle- Tampa. Yeah, I totally. Oh, no, I think that that was yeah. I totally agree that all three of those teams needed to address. Uh, the offensive line and they made great choices my only one thing I'd like to mention though is when the Jets drafted Becton Mackay Becton I when you when you saw him uh, at his house hugging his family and see how big he is that guy is either going to be an eight-time pro bowler or he's going to be out of league stuffing his face with cupcakes it's one or the other that guy <laughs> he did when I, when I saw him he reminded me of that tackle who I think his name was Greg Robinson was that he yes. went to the Rams, the really high pick? Yep. He, they ended up being a total bust. His size reminded me of him, which made me nervous when I saw him because I, I know in the mock draft I was very high on Becton just because I think he's a I think he's just he's so big that he's he looks like a beast. But 
Yeah, he. I definitely agree that he's either going to be unbelievable or a total bust. Well, hopefully he's not Greg Robinson because he got busted for uh, having <laughs> 157 pounds of marijuana. Uh, that was so more I, recent, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah busts in multiple ways. So moving on, uh, offensive line, we had a ton of them drafted, seven in the first round. A few went later. Uh, wide receiver is also another position that had a – pretty early run and a little bit of a surprise not necessarily a surprise that the Raiders would take a receiver but that they chose Henry Ruggs as a first receiver off the board ahead of both Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb I personally I really like Ruggs um I I mean the problem with that is he wasn't the best wide receiver on his team at Alabama because Jerry Judy was the number one receiver on that team but Ruggs I mean you can't go wrong I I think you couldn't have gone wrong with any of Ruggs Judy or CD Lamb. So as much as I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, how do you take Rugs there?" I really don't think you could. I think you could pick any of them, and all of them are going to be stars in this league. And they, you know, the Raiders love taking the fastest wide receiver available every single time they take a receiver. So I was not surprised by this pick at all, personally. I think my thing with Rugs is that are you going to get Tyree Kill or are you going to get Marquise Goodwin? I have that pick. Like is he is he only speed or can he provide more than just that as a receiver? I think that's the only. That's, I don't. That's the big thing to worry about taking rugs at twelve over Lamb and Judy. I don't think I would compare him to Tyree Kill because he plays big. He's a catcher. He's a he's a he's a real receiver. Like he's plays big. He's not. I know Tyree Kill's a receiver, but he goes out. He gets wide open because he beats everyone. Ruggs can do that, but he really, he made some catches in traffic. He can catch it in the red zone. He's a real receiver. I would, I, I think the better comparison is like an Odell Beckham, where Beckham is so fast. You see him make those underneath catches, but he also makes some unbelievable. He, I mean, he's Henry Ruggs is not Odell Beckham Jr., but they, he can catch, this guy can catch the football. He's, I don't think he's a Tyreek Hill. So it's not just speed with this guy. Yeah, I don't think he's just speed. I really, I really like Henry Ruggs. I've watched a, I watched a lot of tape on him because I, I just, I love the fast guys, and I was like, oh, is this guy gonna be terrible? And he, he really, he, he seems like the real deal to me. I think the question is, uh, how comfortable is Derek Carr with throwing the deep ball? You know, will that Derek Carr is be a able to great utilize question. the Henry Ruggs? Like, what his specific skill set is? So, like, sure, he can maybe like catch in traffic but i think we know what his like elite tier skills are and i'm just I, for me it, it makes me wonder um what the raiders offense is going to look like because i i've not known Derek carr to be amazing at the, those deep passes so um i don't know if he's the best quarterback to utilize him but um i mean i always have my theory with gruden the way he builds his team 10 years 100 million dollars He's got a, lo- a long plan here. When Pete, when he trade, when he got rid of Khalil Mack, everyone was like, "What are you doing? Khalil Mack is so good." And and he's like, "Calm down. Ten years, one hundred million dollars, one Super Bowl. That's that's what I think is going to happen. And this is just another piece in the puzzle. It might not make sense right now, but it might make sense a little a few years down the line. We'll see. That's a that's an expensive agree. Super Bowl. I, I, he knows what he's doing. That Khalil Mack trade is looking really really good right now with how. The Bears are falling apart, and the Raiders are rebuilding extremely well. And though I believe who's that guy? Uh, Max Crosby. Max Crosby. Or no, that's a tight end. Is that him? Yeah, Is Max he a Crosby. He's defensive end, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he's really good. They got a really good player, and then they also got another. I don't remember who else they turned that pick into, but they did well with those picks, and they are not paying Khalil Mack like. Well, I don't know what he's getting paid, but he's getting paid a lot of money. 
So yeah, I agree. He knows what he's doing. Trust. Big trust. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Henry Ruggs will be a decent receiver. I just think that Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb both made more sense here. I think that they're, to me, they were the one and two guy. Ruggs is a three. And um, I, I would have liked this pick better if the Raiders went with one of those guys. Instead, I think Jerry Judy to Denver and CeeDee Lamb to Dallas. You're given, so in the case of the Broncos, Drew Locke looked pretty good last year. And he already has a stud receiver in Cortland Sutton. Now you give him Jerry Judy to pair opposite of him while also picking up KJ Hamler as a slot guy in the second round. The Broncos are doing a lot to give Drew Locke the opportunity to succeed and put together an offense that can in some ways potentially compete with the Kansas City Chiefs because that's that's what their number one goal is in the AFC West. And don't forget Noah Fan get- as well, who didn't have a great year his rookie season, but he was one of the top tight end prospects last year and should only get better who is that Noah Fant yeah oh yeah yeah he had some great great. moments I thought he would he had some really good games last year probably two or three he probably had two or three uh at least 50 yard games he might have I think he had a 100 yard game last year too he definitely had a 75 yard touchdown catch at one point yeah Um, oh yeah yeah that's true yeah I mean you also bring in Philip Lindsay and uh Melvin Gordon at running back Denver's offense has the potential to be pretty potent if everything comes together i think i know a lot of it's going to come down to drew Locke, but i uh, taking jerry judy who's considered one of the best receiver tr- uh, prospects in recent years is definitely a good way to start it's a poten- there's a potential wild card team in one of those two denver or las vegas yeah that's a tough division now and yeah the broncos have they also have uh philip Lindsay and melvin gordon that yeah yeah, he, yeah could be a pretty strong oh you said that sorry yeah <laughs> that could be a pretty strong offense in general yeah that's mm-hmm. crazy and speaking of strong offenses cd lamb to the cowboys it was a luxury pick they didn't necessarily need to go receiver here they had other holes they could fill but instead you have cd lamb joining the likes of amari cooper and michael gallup at receiver uh well you know, Dak Prescott, they're going to know for sure, uh, You know, assuming he doesn't get paid before the season starts, if he's really worth the money, because that offense, the, the firepower is there um, now that they get CeeDee Lamb. This felt unnecessary to me. Um, you just paid, if you just paid, you have Michael Gallup, who is one of the better second receivers in the league. You just paid Amari Cooper a lot of money. What did he get? Five years, 100 100 million, million yeah. Yeah. You're uh, maybe going to give Dak Prescott an unbelievable contract. You gave Ezekiel Elliott like eight years. I don't even know how much money he got. I got a lot of money. And you still needed to use pick 17 on a wide receiver. If you're putting all of this salary cap into these three guys, I. One of them is probably going to be gone to me. I feel like you have to be. One of them is probably going to be gone by next year in a trade or trying to get rid of the salary. Of one of those I don't guys, know. They, Zeke or Cooper. They or can't get rid of Zeke. Zeke has weight. Both Zeke and Cooper have way too much dead cap. They can't. They're not tradable contracts. I, I don't. I don't understand what they're doing over there. Why? Maybe they're the best offense in football, and they turn into the Kansas City Chiefs a few years ago. Not last year, but two years ago, three years ago, when they were just scoring 50 points a game and they would give up a ton of points, but they had an awful defense, but scored enough. Maybe they do that. But to me, why are you putting this much into your offense? It seemed, it's some, it seemed, this didn't seem like a good pick to me. You got the best value player, but I just, I don't think this, they have, I don't like this team. I don't think it's well put together. 
Well, if you're Jerry Jones, I mean, just look at him. He was licking his uh, his lips, getting ready to have uh, a player that made his name just three hours north in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, I, I think Jerry Jones taking a look at this is more of just, I don't know, a flashy pick. It's a, like, he, like we said, it's a luxury to be able to get a guy like C.D. Lamb. Um, and I wonder if it's just like when it comes time to pay Michael Gallup, maybe you just don't do that. You know, you, yeah, you've got C.D. Lamb. What is his... What is his contract at? How many years does he have left? I think he's got two more years. Yeah, two he's more years. So yeah, because year he's now. young. Yeah, he's young. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. I think I don't even know where you would have gone here, but they have no they have no corners anymore, right? Who I don't know who is their number well, one corner. Well, Did they well, sign anyone? Yeah, they. Okay. I mean, they they did use a draft pick on one. We'll, we'll get in get more on the Cowboys um, in a little bit. But one factor that it can be kind of overlooked is that the Cowboys drafting Ceedee Lamb made sure that the Eagles couldn't get him. So That's instead true. of getting Lamb at twenty one, they end up, in my opinion, reaching on Jalen Rigor. Yeah, this yeah. was a, even Jefferson would have made more sense here. Rigor was not a I good think, pick. I, th- I think the reason why they reached for Rigor instead of taking Jefferson was because they wanted a little bit more speed and if they took Jefferson that kind of matches what him and uh what's his name JJ Arcega Whiteside already do and they kind of want to I don't know diversify the receiving core a little bit by adding a little bit more speed and so I guess that's why they reached for Rieger but I think it would have just made more sense to trade up just a little bit and get him before Dallas could and and get CD Lamb but unfortunately couldn't yeah, the the Eagles. Yeah, they they felt like they were competing to have the worst draft. That that seemed like a, it was. A, they went in having that goal. Maybe it was kind of they wanted to make headlines with that. But uh, yeah, that was a. That I didn't even think about the Cowboys <laughs> taking him from them. But yeah, that yeah. maybe they would have taken Rigor over Lamb. That would have been hysterical to see. I would have loved Rieger to the Steelers at forty nine. Um, yeah, that. that... <laughs> You know, I I didn't think that was realistic, but twenty one, I I did not expect him to go uh, in the first it, round. There, it wasn't incredibly unrealistic. I had seen him mocked to either he. I've seen him go after the Steelers. Even he was he was not he was not a first round pick on, on almost anything that I saw. Yeah, so from there, a couple more receivers with um, Justin Jefferson to Minnesota, and then Brandon Ayuk to San Francisco. So the Jefferson pick, I like Minnesota taking a receiver here. I thought they had a pretty solid draft. I do kind of question the fit with Jefferson and Adam Thielen because Jefferson played 99% of his snaps in the slot. See, I actually like the fit with Justin Jefferson and Minnesota because both him and Adam Thielen, I think can they're both slot and deep guys, in my opinion. I think they can excel at both both those and so i think they needed they desperately needed a replacement for Diggs, and i think he was the best receiver available at the time so i'm, I'm actually in my opinion i'm fine with the, the pick i think this absolutely forces adam thielen outside because justin jefferson you don't take him if you're not putting him in slot as Corey just said 99 percent of his snaps from the slot so he doesn't even have a tape of it playing outside you really don't know you're you're taking him as a slot guy and I don't know how much Adam Thielen played outside, but I know he was not very good when Diggs was out. So he wasn't bad, but he was not nearly as good this season when Diggs was not playing. So I don't know. I think it's a very peculiar pick, but they took the best available receiver. 
I want to hear what you guys have to say about Ayuk because going into this draft, I did not do, I didn't even know his name. When that, when that pick came up, I was like, huh? Who is this guy? Um, I've since done some research, but I would love to get some analysis I from you guys. I believe that I had the Colts trading up for him in our mock draft. Yes. Yep, you did at 30. I did, right? Yeah, I, I like Ayuk. Ayuk is one of the, I mean, arguably the best playmaking wide receiver. This is a dude that can catch, like, he can catch a ball he can catch a screen pass and randomly turn it into a touchdown on a play that looks broken. He He's blazing, blazing fast. He looks, or he plays very fast. He looks, if you watch some of his highlights, like just look up Brandon Ayuk's screen pass touchdown. You'll find some, not screen pass, but he'll, he can turn anything to a touchdown. He's a really good playmaker and a that's good return been, man. That's been the, um, the narrative, at least for the Niners. Because obviously, if you follow any Niners social media or had to interact with any Niners fans, there was a lot of people who wanted wide receivers and they wanted CD lamb or Jerry Judy. And, um, now I think those same fans are now saying, Ayuk, I'm so glad we got Ayuk, uh, because he does have some flashy highlights. And also he has like a ringing endorsement from Kyle Shanahan. And I think he's the exact type of guy you want in a Kyle Shanahan system. One of those yards after the catch kind of guys, um, which is exactly what you look for in the Shanahan offense. He is Emmanuel Sanders, but when he was younger, I mean, <laughs> he's a great, he's a, he, they replaced Emmanuel Sanders with the guy that has a future. And because I mean, Emmanuel Sanders has what a year or two left, probably three, maybe he's, he's on the older side. Uh, yeah, they, this was a great replacement. Sanders was unbelievable in this offense. He, from his first game, I think he, did he have a hundred yards in his first game? He, he definitely scored a touchdown on his first drive with the Niners. Yeah, he was really good with the Niners. He he was really good. So I think Ayuk is the perfect. I think this was an unreal pick. I, I really like. And the fact that they were able to get him without having, they were able to get a really good receiver, a really good fit in their system receiver without using the pick. What did they have? Was it 13th? Well, the Niners, they had 13 and 31. Oh, yeah, they had 13. Yeah, so they didn't have to use 13 on Judy or Lamb or whoever they would have. Yeah, Judy or Lamb, that would have been it. They didn't have to use 13 on a receiver, and they still got a really good receiver. That You have to be happy with it. Yeah, I agree. I think the AU pick was really solid for San Francisco. Um, I was kind of curious to see what they would do in the first round with those two picks and none until the fifth round. Uh, but, I mean, they, they, they added some talent there, and AU at 25 is definitely – he, he was the, the top guy there uh, compared to what they could have potentially been left with had they traded down into the second round instead. So with that, let's get into our biggest winners of the draft. And we'll have three winners. Uh, we'll start off with the uh, first team that will be introduced by Brian. So one winner that I really thought had a great draft was the Arizona Cardinals at number eight overall they were able to get Isaiah Simmons and I think it's a great match for their team because the Cardinals were just destroyed by the tight ends all of last season and when you're in a division where you got to face George Kittle twice a year and then you got to face the combination of Tyler Higbee and Gerald Everett and Greg Olson and Will Disley for the Seahawks, all those guys twice a year, you need a guy who can, you need a versatile guy who can really uh, cover that position. And uh, I think it's a great match for 
the Cardinals to draft Simmons in the first round. And then in the second round, I'm not sure if you guys have heard this guy, but uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, wide receiver out of Clemson. Uh, he, apparently, he's got very athletic, uh, can really uh, get the yards after the catch. He's got great hands, great speed, great burst. Uh, bold call. I'm going to say he's a really he's going to be a really good pick for the uh, Cardinals at in the second round. Uh, <laughs> and then so for the third round, so the Cardinals with the Isaiah Simmons pick, they ended up passing on Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, and Mackay Becton, a team that desperately needs a tackle. And Josh Jones was projected to be a late first round pick, maybe early second round pick, and they got him all the way down at number seventy two in the third round. And so I think that was one of the better value picks in the entire draft. And so, and then after that, they helped uh, help the defensive line inter- interior of the defensive line in the fourth round by taking two guys. And then they drafted a, uh, a possible backup uh, in the seventh round for Kenyon Drake uh, at running back. So I like what the Cardinals did uh, a lot in the draft. Yeah. Can, can somebody fill me in on Eno Benjamin? I like the I like the uh, sound of this guy's name. I, just, I don't know much about his football playing, though. He is a guy who uh, he fell mainly because his 2019 season wasn't as great as his 2018. But this guy, he's 5'9", 200, runs a 4'5", So he's, I mean, he, he's built like a receiving back. And uh, he had 2018, this kid had 300 carries, which is way too many but he had 1600 yards so five and a half yards per carry and 16 touchdowns and then he caught 35 passes for 263 yards so he had an outstanding 2018 and then he had a bit of a drop off in 2019 where he had 253 for a hundred a thousand yards he ran for a thousand yards but he only had 4.3 per carry versus the 5.5 in 2018 but he had 42 catches for three 347 and two tds so this is a guy that I think is a great fit because you already have Kenyon Drake to start and he'll probably be, you know, your workhorse. But then you have Eno Benjamin. You only use a seventh rounder and you get a really good pass catching back. That's kind of a, he'll be like a change of pace type guy. Like he'll be, maybe he might be their third down back. I can't imagine he'll play every third down, but he's a good third down back pass catcher. He's a good player. He really is. He had a way better in 2018. He's got a lot of workload on him because, you know, almost 600, actually over 600 touches in two seasons. But yeah, he's he's a good player for a seventh rounder. So one one thought on the Cardinals, um, I don't know that I love the Isaiah Simmons pick. Actually, um, I I know they were able to get Josh Jones in the third round, but I still feel like taking an offensive tackle with that eighth pick uh, would have been a, a smarter decision. Uh, whether it was Becton, Werfs, or Jedrick Wills uh, with Andrew Thomas off the board. Uh, I think I don't know if this is a real concern to have, but I am a little nervous about the fact that Hassan Reddick was such a horrible bust for Arizona, and he has a lot of similar type of skills to what Isaiah Simmons has in terms of being that hybrid type of player who can you know find just the the perfect spot for him on the defense. You have a bunch of different options. Um, but that that's the only thing that kind of scares me about this pick. And you know, if Jones turns out to be worth a you know, a first round pick that like some mock drafts had, then sure that's probably great. Uh but if there is that kind of significant drop off outside of those top four guys, I think that you could be in a world of hurt. Um considering that Kyler Murray was sacked forty eight times last year. Um the Cardinals definitely have holes on the offensive line. So that's that's my only kind of 
hesitation with the Cardinals draft. Uh, but we'll we'll uh, move on and talk about the next team. So, Cam, you can go ahead. So the team that I thought uh, won the draft, per se, is the Baltimore Ravens because they got Patrick Queen, who just, all they had to do was take this pick. I mean, they got Patrick Queen at 28, who easily should have been taken by the Seahawks, probably would have been taken at the, by the Patriots if they didn't trade down. And Patrick Queen just filled arguably the only position of need on this entire roster that went 14-2 and two last year. This was a ma- this was a dream come true for the Ravens. I don't think you could do any better with this pick. I, I really don't. And then in the, was it their second round? They go J.K. Dobbins. Yep. Which he could have, I mean, people don't take running backs that high anymore, but he could have been a first round pick. He, they ended up getting him late second round. And he goes into a system where he's, they run the ball a lot. And their options right now are Mark Ingram, who's 30 and got hurt last year. I mean, 30 years old as a running back, it's, they're hard to maintain. And then you have Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, who, Justice Hill, they took last year in what, the third round, I believe? I think it was their fourth round pick. Fourth round pick. So he, I mean, they're, they're good players, but I would, I would argue that Dobbins the best running back on the roster right now. And you got him late second round. I mean, it, it's a good value and you put him with, you put him into an offense that runs a lot. You need a real running back. I, th- I think this was a great pick. And then your later picks, you have Devin Duvernay, who I think was a third round pick. He had 100 catches for 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns in 2019. This kid's really good. He, he's a good player. Yeah, Mel Kuyper was really big on him. He kept, yeah, he kept I, pointing out Duvernay. Um, yeah, he is, yeah, he is a really good. I Actually, he's one that I was saying I wanted to steal. I thought the Steelers could get. I really liked him for them and then their third round pick was oh oh they got malik harrison at linebacker so they got another linebacker who filled another position in need and he was he was really good i mean he was a first team all big 10 player last year in the third round like you can't really be upset about that 16.5 for loss four four and a half sacks he's a good linebacker and he's just an extra he's just an extra position of need they needed linebackers they went and got two good ones I really liked their draft. I thought it was unbelievable. Yeah, I'll just throw in a comment there um, about taking running backs early. Generally, uh, it, you know, you want a flashy skill position player so you can be like, look, we're, we're going to score so many touchdowns. Um, but, you know, generally, there's some smarter picks you can make early unless your roster is already loaded, in which case, why not just add more weapons? You know, like taking a player like J.K. Dobbins, not only is it value where it's at, but it's not like they took him instead of a bigger position of need. They took him at a great time. So I, I agree. I really like that pick. Yeah, I, I was pretty disappointed that the Steelers pass on Dobbins at 49. So it was definitely not fun to see Baltimore pick him. It, it's another case of a luxury pick. But unlike the Cowboys, this is a team that, like you said, they don't have a whole lot of holes. So they could any pick they were making was essentially a luxury pick. Um, so when you look at that running back room, there's certainly some reason to maybe be a little skeptical about things. Um, you know, and 2020 maybe not as much but 2021 and beyond so adding Dobbins seems like a really really good move here for Baltimore my thing with the Ravens draft is that in the first round they couldn't have done better they got Patrick Queen at 28 which is one of the best value picks of the draft I guess I wish they added more at receiver they got a receiver in the sixth round but they didn't get that field stretching wide wide out uh like that that's Devin Duvernay Devin Duvernay is the uh 
Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, and, that's who Duver, Duvernay. Sorry, I didn't. I don't think I said that. Duvernay is a yeah. He's a wide receiver. They also um, they got. Well, I don't know what they round got a ton they of linebackers, but they third also round. oh third round. Okay. They got a ton of linebackers, but they also. I don't think they addressed uh, edge pass rushing at all in this draft. I mean, it's just just a couple of tidbits. I mean, like they, they I, had edge a good pass draft. rushing. Yeah, that's also that's another one that is the. Um, which one? Malik Harrison is kind of the outside he's linebacker. Kind of, he's a more of an edge guy. He, I believe, he's an edge rusher. What did okay. he? He had, he only had four and a half sacks. But I, I thought th- he, he was an interior guy. Is he interior? Well, I, I could he be wrong. A, he's listed as linebacker. I thought he was an outside linebacker. But I guess, um, I guess my thing is with the receivers. I know. Okay, they they got a guy in the third and the sixth round. Uh, if those guys don't pan out, I just want. I just worry. If I were a Ravens fan, yeah. I'd worry that after. Uh, Hollywood and Mark Andrews, and and they have a good offense for sure. It's just that it's kind of a drop off after those obvious top guys. Is my thing. I certainly hope that they don't pan out, and the, the Ravens have <laughs> reasons to be concerned. But I'm not <laughs> yeah. super optimistic about that. Um, yeah. So the the last big winner we have, um, this was one I'm I'm presenting to us, the Dallas Cowboys, and admittedly i think the biggest reason why i put dallas here is because i didn't want to say that the ravens were the biggest winner of the draft (laughs) uh, being the big rivals of the steelers but i really liked what dallas did particularly with their first three picks so cd lamb maybe wide receiver isn't the biggest need there but they got a solid luxury pick he's a guy who's going to take that offense to another level uh beyond where it already is they they just Dak prescott can't have enough weapons there and uh i really think that Getting Lamb, keeping him out of a division rival in Philly, uh, that's reason to be excited about that. Cornerback, they lost Byron Jones in free agency. They got Trevon Diggs in the second round. He's a guy who a lot of us, uh, including us in our mock draft, had going in the first round, uh, being able to get him late. I think that's a pretty solid value. And they also got a lot of value in Neville Gallimore, who uh, he's a a one or three technique defensive tackle. I think he's someone who can really help that pass rush. Um, Dallas lost Robert Quinn in free agency. And uh, I think that, you know, being able to they also lost one of their defensive tackles. So I think, you know, being able to get someone who can uh, come in and help at that position, ideally right away, uh, is pretty huge for them. And in the fourth uh, round, they, they also, also. Oh, sorry. I thought you were doing <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, in the fourth round, I also really like um, their pick of Tyler Beattas. Uh, I'm not sure if you're pronouncing that right. He's a center from Wisconsin, also a center from Wisconsin. He, Travis he was there who recently fifth. retired. Beattis, I believe. Yeah. Wasn't he Beattis. their fifth round? He was their fifth pick in the fourth round. They had two fourth round picks. They also took Reggie Robbins in the second, so another corner. Um, two of them, which that's, that certainly helps this team. But yeah, the Beattis, the idea is that he could be their center of the future in the fourth round. So I, I really like that pick. I think Dallas did a, did a great job with this draft. I, I actually like Reggie Robinson as well. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's he's the he was their fourth round, I believe. Yeah, yeah fourth yeah. round. He's he's six one two hundred runs a four four four, and he's he's pretty good cover. He's got really good size. I, I really I like the size on him. I like his uh I like his potential there, especially in the fourth round. Yeah, I know I mentioned Arizona as as like a uh, winner of the draft, but Dallas was actually my number one pick because of all of the things that Corey mentioned. So those are our three big winners. Now let's move on to the biggest losers. And Cam, how about you get us started here? Uh, my biggest loser, I think, not even close, is the Green Bay Packers. 
because why did you draft like you were unaware of your roster and specifically unaware of the contract that you have Aaron Rodgers on? You have Aaron Rodgers locked up for three years, almost entirely guaranteed, and you just traded up to take a quarterback in the first round. He needs receivers. He They were awful when Devontae Adams was out, and you just traded up to take a quarterback? That makes no sense. And then in the second round, you take a running back in A.J. Dillon out of uh, Boston College, Boston go College. BC, but... <laughs> uh, but uh, you're going to take A.J. Dillon when you have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams? That doesn't make... That makes no sense at all to me. I It felt like you... It felt like they were picking without even knowing their roster in the first two rounds. That... It was baffling to me. Yeah, they reached in the second round by taking... Yeah, by taking a running back that probably wasn't supposed to be going the second round. And then they... In the third round, they took a blocking tight end slash fullback... And then they didn't even have a pick till round five, and they they didn't help Rodgers whatsoever. And for the first round pick in Jordan Love, I am not a Jordan Love fan whatsoever. When you throw twenty touchdowns and seventeen interceptions, I'm at Utah State. I'm going to think you suck. But if he's going to work out anywhere, he's definitely a project. But if he's going to work out anywhere, it would be Green Bay because he's guaranteed to sit multiple years behind one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and. I said this in the last podcast where when the Patriots drafted Garoppolo, that gave more urgency to Brady to perform better, and he ended up winning three more Super Bowls. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he his play got better after that pick. And I'd like to think Rodgers, he hasn't sucked or anything. Yeah, he does. He's he's still good, and he does a terrific job not turning the ball over, but he's def, his play has dropped, he's dipped a little bit. And I think, I'd like to think that pick would, uh, motivate Rodgers more to perform as the best level and but I'd also w- would like to think that they would help him by drafting receivers in the second yeah and third like round, you, so you're asking Rodgers to, be, to play better but it, yeah. you're not giving him <laughs> any players to help him do um, that exactly <laughs> why would you use a so what did uh does anyone know what the exact trade was that they had to make to get up to here no, I mean they didn't have a fourth round pick, so they probably gave up a fourth round pick to move up for. Okay, spots. so they probably gave a fourth. So you're telling me that you paid Rogers? He is making thirty three and a half million dollars per year, and you just wasted a four, a fourth and a first to take a guy that cannot start for three seasons. That makes just to make your current starter who is already a future Hall of Famer better, where does that make sense? If you if you think that he needs to be better, just don't just don't pay him. Don't give him a three year hundred what is it? Three four year one thirty four million is unbelievable for a guy. If you you have to believe him. They gave him that they give him that before last season. He has three more years left on that deal. See, I would have been fine with this pick if they addressed the you know receiver positions and others in the later rounds but they got a backup quarterback a backup running back and a backup tight end in the first three rounds and they did basically nothing after that to me the only way i'm okay with them taking a quarterback is if they do it in like the fourth round if you don't use a first round pick on a guy that isn't going to start has no chance of starting for four seasons 
Okay, so and I, I haven't been able to, to chime in yet. <laughs> Didn't the Packers do the same thing with Aaron Rodgers? They took him in two thousand. They took him twenty fourth overall. Or two thousand five. Yep. He yeah. And they sent him he, four years. Twenty fourth overall pick. Two picks ahead of where Jordan Love was. And he sat three years and then look what happened to him. He turned into one of the best quarterbacks ever, future Hall of Famer. Why can't the same thing happen with Jordan Love? Because you wanna know why? Because what was what was uh, Brett Favre making? He was not making $33 million, I believe. He was making $10 million yeah, per I mean, year. The value on a rookie quarterback was significantly lower. Look at all these teams that are win- are really good. The Ravens, best team in the league last year. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl. The Not the 49ers. They're paying their quarterback a lot. Um, I can't. Uh, Texans. The Texans yeah. they're, they're so poorly coached, and they still almost beat the Chiefs. Because they have a rookie quarterback, the Bears had the best defense in the league. Their quarterback was Mitchell Trubisky, and they everyone thought that they could be a Super Bowl team because they had a rookie quarterback. Having a quarterback with a rookie contract is so valuable. Wasting three years on a guy you took with a 26th pick makes no sense. The worst case scenario, or the best case scenario for them, is that he plays really well and they get one year of rookie contract for him to start, and then they have to pay him. And the worst, maybe he doesn't play that well and you get to sign him for cheap. But in that case, he didn't play well. I This blows, I think this is a horrific pick. I don't even think, I don't know. I don't think there's any, I think it's awful. I so, think it's so bad. So I've heard, not from very credible sources, but I have heard that there is kind of a rift between Aaron Rodgers and the front office where... Um, you know, they've had enough of Rodgers' antics. Rodgers is treating the Packers like family. And with Aaron Rodgers, that's a bad thing. So um, (laughs) I'm wondering, does this open the door potentially for a Rodgers departure? Do you trade him for a whole boatload of draft picks? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. There's there's so many reasons to believe that that is totally in play here. Brian Gutekunst, he was hired as GM in 2018. Matt LaFleur, head coach in 2019. These guys, they didn't stick around with the Rodgers all those Mike McCarthy years. And yeah, you get LaFleur. Things are kind of easy, fun in the beginning. But he fell in love with Jordan Love. And he is ready to make Love this starting quarterback sooner than later. I don't think he's going to wait three years for Rodgers' contract to come up and for him to retire for that to happen. My expectation is that Rodgers will be the quarterback in 2020. Love will be the backup, maybe even again in 2021, but they're going to do whatever they can to get Rodgers out the door sooner than later. And yeah, they, I don't think the Packers had a great draft after that. They didn't do very much at all to help out their team in 2020, a team that went to the NFC Championship game, won 13 games. They were that close to the Super Bowl. Um, but if you're just focusing on Jordan Love himself, he's the kind of guy, he's a project pick, but he's someone who shows flashes that he can be Patrick Mahomes-like. And I, I really love the idea of Jordan Love. Uh, you know, I, I, I know I keep saying that love word, but I, I like this. Um, I really do. I'm, I'm a fan of this, and I am also a fan of the Packers moving on from Rodgers before it's too late. So, Rodgers uh, to the Patriots confirmed. Uh, hey, they don't I, have the cap space, but next year, I, I don't know. again, totally disagree. And you say they could trade him if – he would take up $80 million of their salary cap if they traded him. He's guaranteed. No, I'm not saying they're trading him right now. I'm saying like a year or two. Like I, Whenever Jordan I, Love is ready. I'm not saying you have to wait three years to make Jordan Love the quarterback. 
and that I definitely would understand why you know Matt Lafleur doesn't want to hang on to Rogers forever. Man, you love Jordan Love, don't <laughs> you? You think he's the? Yeah. I mean, I've heard analysts who who are also big on him who had him uh, as their third overall quarterback in this class. I mean, sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong. I mean, when when Mahomes was drafted, I was. I was a huge fan of that pick, and he's been awesome. And then when Lamar Jackson was drafted, but a lot I, of people were also I, pretty down on Mahomes. Yeah, and, I couldn't believe it. I was like, "You've got Alex Smith, who just got off a season where he was in the conversation at least for MVP. You've got a good thing going on there. Don't mess it up." And I couldn't have been more wrong. So it's hard was gonna, to know. And I was just about to say the thing from Lamar Jackson that like I thought he was going to suck, and I was I couldn't have been more wrong about that. So sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. It's just, to me, it is all about the salary cap. Aaron Rodgers is guaranteed a hundred million of his 134 million. He is not a guy you, you can't get rid of him or not, not over two years. You, even if you got rid of him after two seasons, you're still paying, you're still taking $10 million of cap hit for two. And you also lost two years of rookie contract on your quarterback that you drafted with the 26 pick. I, I I don't think I don't think I don't think it makes sense because of salary cap purposes. I think salary cap is the most one of the most important things in the NFL is salary cap, and this is a horrible horrible pick for the salary cap. What if I told you the salary cap's going up by forty million by the time that uh, Aaron Rodgers would be no longer a Packer? If the salary cap goes enough because of that TV deal, then maybe this maybe it money doesn't matter. At that point, like I, you're right, there is very, a possibility. There's no. a possibility that some of these contracts that right now are horrible turn into very normal contracts because these players are making yep. just obscene amounts of money. But I don't see a situation where taking a even a so right now would be eighty million. Next year would be like forty uh, fifty million dollar cap. I don't see a situation where taking a fifty million dollar cap is reasonable for hit to for a team a player to play for another team. Makes sense when Green Bay currently has about ten million in cap, so they they have ten million cap now, and in the future could have forty million left less to play with. That's I just I don't know I don't see that, and he definitely can't be traded out. He can't be traded after this year. Maybe he can be traded after two seasons. All in all, they they didn't address uh, helping out Rodgers. Uh, with any more weapons after Devontae and yeah. Aaron Jones, because it's just a massive yeah. drop off after those two guys. That is very no receivers. This is the best receiver receiving draft. Their number one need is receiver. This is the best receiving draft ever, and they didn't take one. Okay, well, I think we're ready to move on from the Packers. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say we spent a lot of time on bashing this. the Packers for like twenty minutes. My big losers, we'll continue talking about quarterbacks, though, because my big losers of this draft, I think, were the Chargers. Um, unfortunate, it, it kind of feels unfortunate as to where they are um, because if they couldn't trade up, they didn't really have an option to take the top two quarterbacks. But I, like I said earlier, think Justin Herbert is a bust waiting to happen. I, I think he's the next Mitch Trubisky. And I think that him as their first pick uh, you know cast kind of a shadow on this whole draft class i like the kenneth murray pick although it kind of sucks that they had to trade up um i think especially in a year where uh, information is limited it's difficult to 
you know, you really have to be sure if um, on, on the guy that you're trading up to pick. So I think that this is a fine pick if Kenneth Murray is everything that they believe he is. Um, but at the same time, it's you're giving up two picks to move up not that far, especially when, I don't know, I saw some drafts where maybe Kenneth Murray would still be available uh, when they picked at 37. Probably not. Um, I actually ran this trade through our our trade calculator that we have that Corey uh, created in our uh, little spreadsheets here. Okay. To be fair, Jimmy Johnson <laughs> created that. I just, I Corey's just put it Corey's genius brain created a trade calculator and um, the Patriots only barely win this trade uh, in like the value there. Um, I heard other some other analysts argue that this they kind of got robbed by the Patriots here. Um, I don't know the calculus behind it, but um, I, I, my take on it is you better be right about Kenneth Murray because um, you only had six picks this year. So each one is that much more impactful. Um, but for me, I, I, those first two decisions, I think, cast a shadow on this whole draft class. Yeah, I mean, I I don't love the Justin Herbert pick. Uh, I don't necessarily like the Chargers draft, but I don't know that I would argue that it was one of the worst i think it was just kind of a very like bland draft that will either look really good if herbert pans out or really bad if he doesn't and it may be the same about kenneth murray yeah the the entire outcome of their draft is solely based on if herbert's development uh is going to be good or not and we'll see yeah, we will have to see. I think I'm, you know, I'm all in on him being bad, just like I'm all in on Mitch Trubisky never being able to turn it around. I actually, and don't, you don't need to convince me for that. I actually kind of disagree on the draft because of the fact that I think that Kenneth Murray was a huge position of need. They real they needed a middle linebacker. Denzel Perriman was okay a couple of years ago, but he's not. He can't yeah, stay healthy. He, he hasn't played more yeah, than fourteen just games like, in the season. He's not the guy for them. And they have a really, really good roster. I mean, they have they signed Chris Harris. They already have Casey Hayward. They have Desmond King in the slot. They have Derwin James, who is I love Derwin James. Big fan of him. He got hurt. He's another one of those hybrid oh, guys where it's just like yeah, he's so he's like the he is the future of the NFL. You have Jonathan or uh, Linval Joseph, who I actually didn't even know they had him, but he comes from Minnesota. He's a really good player. You have Joey Bosa, one of the best defensive ends in the league. Not as uh, not as good as Nick Bosa, I will say. They got. They have Melvin Ingram. Like, they have a really good roster. I don't think they're that far away from being a great team. So, I think it was worth it. I would it. argue they're a quarterback away. I know. They were a quarterback <laughs> yes. away. So, oh, yeah, maybe Herbert isn't the guy. But, like, I, who are we to say? I know people, like, some people didn't like it, whatever. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't think you can really be that mad about it. I, I don't think – I don't think uh, he's, like – I wouldn't I – wouldn't, I would not make the take that he's going to be a bust because I just don't know. And I think that he has all the weapons he needs around him, given that he has Keenan Allen and Mike Williams at wide receiver too. And then he also has Hunter Henry. Like They have a lot of weapons with a really good O-line. He has everything he needs to succeed. And if he does, I think this it ends up being a really good pick. I, th- I think he has a really good chance to succeed. This is a, I know Philip Rivers was not good for some reason last year. But two years ago, he had the best season of his career, which makes no sense for a guy who's, what, like 36, probably? He was like 38 now. Thirty. He was like, what? So he was like 36, though, that year, 37. Probably, yeah. He was older. To peak out of nowhere, I mean, I, I think it really did come down to And their team is so much better. They got Trey Turner. They signed Brian Balaga. They have Forrest Lamp. I think I think this team is just I think they're so close that it made sense to take Herbert. Where else were you going to go? Potentially love. I yeah, don't know. okay, that's fair. Maybe to yeah. Or maybe trade Jordan's up. Like, yeah, I, okay, maybe, but 
I don't know. I think that if no, you have your guy, you take your guy. They had to go quarterback here. I don't know who the best was to go, but I do think this is a roster. I mean, this is a really good roster. I, I have it pulled up right now. It's, it's really good. I, I like them a lot. I think they have a, a potential. It sucks that they're in the best division in football, but they have a lot of potential. They really do. All right. I'll uh, I'll stick in the AFC West for my biggest loser, and that is the Las Vegas Raiders. So I, I'd mentioned earlier that I don't like the Henry Ruggs pick, not for position, but because I think that they should have taken a different receiver uh, with both Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamsell on the board. But I think an even more egregious pick was reaching for Damon Arnett with the 19th pick. He's someone who nobody had going in the first round, someone who they absolutely could have. I mean, they didn't have a second round pick. So you know, maybe that, that was part of their concern there, but I, I don't like them taking him that high at all. And then in the third round, they take two receivers and Lynn Bowden Jr. and Brian Edwards. I love Brian Edwards, South Carolina. Do you need a third receiver there? And I, I get that maybe Bowden is going to play running back for them, but even then, that's a, a, a stretch taking him that high. And then Tanner Muse, who they took with the 100th pick in the third round. I've been just doing some research, uh, you know, looking at pre-draft rankings. I have not found anything that says Muse would have should have been higher than a sixth-round pick. And I particularly love this this write-up from WalterFootball.com. Uh, so this was from April 22nd, before the draft. In 2019, Muse recorded 50 tackles with four interceptions and three passes broken up. He was a good college player, but he has some limitations for the NFL that could be seen in an ugly performance in the ACC championship game versus Virginia. Muse helped himself by running fast at the combine. Like, are you kidding me? That's all the Raiders <laughs> value speed. You, you're fast at the combine. You should go three rounds earlier. It just makes no sense to me. Like, they don't have enough Clemson players. It, they reached on Cleveland Farrell last year with the fourth pick, and that didn't really work out very well in year one. So, I don't know. I, I know that John Gruden has this 10-year plan. Whatever <laughs> 10 that years, $100 million, one <laughs> Super Bowl. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't like the Raiders draft. Uh, you know, they, they got some weapons, I guess, for Derek Carr. But how about instead of getting weapons for Derek Carr, you get a replacement for him with a guy like Jordan Love. I think that would have been a perfect fit for him. Uh, so I, I'm really not a fan of the the Las Vegas first draft. And, uh, you know, they were also big losers by losing the draft itself. So just you know, all around really tough weekend for the for the Las Vegas team. I, I thought my the funniest thing I thought about the Damon Arnett pick where it was it was a huge reach, but was that the reason they took him there or people were saying the reason they took him there is because they weren't sure if he would be there at eighty. So they they weren't like confident. So he'd they be decided gone. to take him at they nineteen. Were like kind of, they were pretty sure he would be gone by the eightieth pick. So they took him at sixty 90. picks later. That yeah. is uh, that's atrocious. It. Yes, it's a position of need. I mean, you need you honestly you need a lot of cornerbacks. You're trying to keep up with Patrick Mahomes, yeah. but are you, you're really you're maybe reaching two rounds ahead and taking him with 19. That's a very valuable pick. Just trade it away. Get anything for it. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the the problem with the Raiders draft wasn't that they weren't drafting out of position. They were taking guys in need. They were yeah. just either taking too many or too high on all of them. I'm looking at something. Lynn Bowden is just listed as his position is just athlete. Yeah. <laughs> if I had a guess, my guess is the Raiders 
they probably maybe wanted AJ Terrell and he was taken 16th overall and they just panicked. But that's just a total <laughs> guess. But I don't. They're like, oh, that this pick, guy's yeah, that, that pick. That pick was a major <laughs> they, blow. I agree. They were that, trying to decide where they wanted to reach. But yeah, I thought it was funny. Lynn Bowden, I saw compared to um, uh, who's the Saint? Uh, Taysom, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Who? So do you? Does he? Do they think he's gonna play quarterback? Is that may, I, maybe? Because I, I didn't. No, I didn't he's gonna like play every pick. position. I did not like this pick. Uh, he could maybe play quarterback, but why would he? I mean, the I, I don't even I. Taysom Hill, I thought was an awful signing, but yeah, this was a weird pick to me too. I thought this entire draft was strange, and then you one pick later take Brian Edwards because maybe you couldn't decide between the two, so you just took them both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't really know what the Raiders were doing. Um, so that's two big losers in the AFC West to join the Packers. Um, and I guess let, let's uh, wrap up our draft talk by giving thoughts on our individual teams. So Ben, why don't you lead off with the 49ers? Uh, yeah, no, I really love the 49ers draft this year. They did well, one interesting fact the 49ers did not make any of their own picks this year. Every single pick they made was traded to them, uh, which they were making moves. And um, I mean, they did a lot with a little Javon Kinlaw steps in. He's basically from my perspective, the only option they had to really fill the DeForest Buckner role on this defense. Um, you know, at this point in the off season, because you can't just have anybody fill that role. DeForest Buckner is like, you have to double team me because I'm such a huge interior pass rusher. And Javon Kinlaw won't be DeForest Buckner, but he will be able to be placed in that starting role and keep this 49ers defense at the elite caliber that it is. So I thought that was a great pick. I almost had it perfectly. Um, unfortunately, I was completely wrong in our uh, in our mock draft uh, because I picked kinlaw at 13 when it's so clear and obvious that he would have gone at 14 to the 49ers but um, yeah geez what were you thinking yeah i know right but uh you know that's why i you know we make fun of the professionals when they're wrong and i'm deserving of just as much uh ridicule uh by missing (laughs) a whiffing on javon kinlaw to the 49ers but like we talked about earlier, Brandon Ayuk, I think he fits really well into the what the 49ers are doing. Um, you know, one of these yards after the catch guys. He's not a draft pick, but Trent Williams to the 49ers is huge. I mean, yep. absolutely yeah. keeps the 49ers, keeps that championship window wide open because Joe Staley's like day three of the draft retirement announcement is could have been a really tough blow to deal with. Um, although the 49ers have done well uh, with, you know, drafting kind of yeah. lower and round. It sounds like he he intentionally waited for the 49ers to have a replacement for him before making their retirement official. He definitely kept the guys in the front office, uh, you know, notified. But for the rest of us, it was like, what? We're not going to have Joe? And then luckily, yeah. immediately, uh, Trent Williams enters the picture. And assuming that he can be as good as he was last time he played football, then maybe it's an upgrade at left tackle. Um, so you've got like, those are huge, um, acquisitions by the 49ers. It's hard to argue that they get better because like Kinlaw is replacing Buckner and it's like Buckner is likely a better player. And then you've got Ayuk replacing uh, Sanders and it's like, well, it's likely that Sanders is a better player, but these guys are going to cost way, way less. And I think that's just amazing roster management. Um, just to highlight some of the later round guys, Colt McKivitz, Never heard of him, but he is another one of these late round 
tackles. And if you guys remember when McGlinchey and Staley were both out for a few games last year, Justin School and Daniel Brunskill both kind of, you know, there wasn't a huge drop off in play when they had to start. So I, I trust what Lynch sees in these later round tackles. Um, then we've got Charlie Warner out of uh, Georgia in the sixth round. He's a blocking tight end. We've got to have somebody behind Kittle. And then uh, Juwan Jennings in the seventh. I've heard a lot of good things about Juwan Jennings out of Tennessee. Um, big-bodied slot wide receiver. Um, I don't really know a whole lot about him, and it's going to be interesting to see if he even makes the team because the 49ers have a lot of, like, kind of similar talent level wide receivers that are going to be on this roster um so it's going to be interesting camp battle assuming camp happens and uh overall i'm really happy with this draft even though it's not that many players i don't know much about these um sixth or seventh i've never heard of warner or uh i've actually heard of warner but i don't know much about him but uh that mckivitz colton mckivitz guy he was actually a really good pass blocker um he uh I know he was high in the Big 12. I think he was actually the highest uh, pass blocking grade, maybe or pass blocking grade. I don't. He was either one or two. He was up there and he started every game. He was he was the guy that's actually really good, uh, from what I've heard. So I, I do like that pick for them. Really good pass blocker. So for the Patriots, I didn't love or hate their draft. I was just okay with it. Uh, at 23, of course, they traded down, and I tilted my face off when they traded down to 37 and 71 and wasted a lot of time waiting for that pick. And, of course, Belichick doesn't want to f- use a first-round pick. And so for the 37th overall pick, they took a safety out of Division Two named Kyle Duggar. And in the in the moment, I hated the pick just because when you hear Division Two and then 37th overall, you're thinking, why the heck are we doing this? Uh, apparently, he's... He's been an amazing player, even though it's Division Two. He's freak athlete uh, as a safety and as a return specialist. He blew up at the Senior Bowl, which Belichick attended this uh, this season, where uh, because the Patriots are usually competing for at least in the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl, uh, he typically doesn't get to attend the Senior Bowl. But this year he did, and Kyle Duggar apparently was amazing then, and he was amazing at the Cobbine, and. I'm fine with this pick, uh, I guess, for now, but we'll yeah. see. I had never uh, heard of pick, Duggar, but yeah. reading back, there were a lot of people who thought hard, he'd be a day two he's pick. He's a very hard worker. Yeah, he, he was. he's a project. He's a late. He Absolutely. Like well, no, I mean, second. in the as sense, like, I didn't think seen, that it was like a big reach taking him there. You know, there may be other safeties they could have gone at with. At first, yeah, yeah, at first in the moment, I thought, like, what? why the heck are we drafting this guy 37th yeah. overall? Like, when you could have gone so much later. Uh, but apparently he just has a lot of potential. I mean, he only got out coming out of high school. He got a, he got one offer, one college football offer, took it and put on 50 pounds while he was there. Like this dude is a grinder. So he's honestly perfect for the Patriots system. Cause like he, he really is. He's a project. He's a raw talent out of D2, but he, I don't think he's been playing football for that long. And he's, it seems like he's really improved since he started. So it could be a really good pick, but again, he's a D2 project. And yeah, so for my my favorite pick uh, from the Patriots draft was Josh Uche out of Michigan at 60 overall. Yeah. Uh, he's a situational blitzer. He's someone who has plenty of experience in, in pass coverage. He's an edge rusher. I just think he's uh, a perfect uh, match or 
yeah, match for Belichick's uh, kind of player in their defense. And then they took F. Anthony Jennings uh, with a third round pick. Seems like he probably could replace Kyle Van Noy. Uh, we'll see if he's if he's good or not. And uh, and then for the next two picks, uh, they t- in the third round they took two tight ends. Uh, one out of UCLA named <laughs> Devin Asiasi, great name. And then they took Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech. Two tight ends. Uh, the tight end production from the Patriots last year was completely dreadful. Uh, so they definitely needed to address that position. And last time they doubled down on tight ends in the draft, it, they got uh, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. And so let's hope one of them doesn't kill anybody. And if that happens, then I think uh, possibly the two tight ends could pan out. And in the fifth round, they took they took the first kicker in the draft. They took Justin Rohrwasser out of Marshall. Uh Apparently he's got some controversial tattoos. Yeah, but... he's like the most most controversial pick in the draft. Yeah, a um, kicker, <laughs> out of all positions. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also read he, he like a lot of people didn't even consider him like a top ten kicker. So not only did they potentially reach on a kicker of all positions, but then to take a guy who has like ties to like a an organization that is you know potentially supposedly a white supremacist group it's <laughs> definitely not not a not a good look for new england i've heard he's getting the tattoo ta- um you know he's getting off. removed he really know the yeah. full meaning of it but yeah it was like um, yeah, they took t- a kicker that yeah. wasn't on anyone's radar in and not only that but espn they didn't even have apparently they didn't have highlights of the guy when so you know how yeah. like, they show yeah. <laughs> every time someone's the drafted, first, they show first pick. they yeah. don't have highlights for him he didn't I have highlights did for the guy. he had he had really good numbers at marshall and apparently he has not missed a fourth quarter or late minute kick which i guess that, i mean that's a really good stat but yeah, yeah it, this is no matter how you put it it's a huge reach but he could be a good kicker as long, i don't as long as he can kick i don't really care about the controversial tattoos i mean they the kicking position last year for the patriots was a just a mess after goskowski goskowski gets hurt shane graham sucked and then kai forbath played the one game and he was he wasn't good for them and then nick folk was actually pretty decent but still it was they used four kickers last year it was it was a mess yeah, no, and as long as I feel like it's pretty easy if you just don't focus on that moving forward. You know, if it would be one thing if he was like, no, 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 I, I refuse to cover up this tattoo. This tattoo is too meaningful to me to cover up. <laughs> you know, and the same. I mean, when Kyler Murray got drafted, they had all his like like tweets that they brought up and tried to cancel him. Nick Bosa, even especially because he got tra- um, drafted by a west coast team where things are a little more progressive they were like we don't want nick bose on the 49ers he's uh, a trump supporter and then uh, you know after beginning one rookie of the year season later everyone's like what did i don't even care about his politics come on keep that out of this yeah. he's a football player so i think that as long as he manages this like correctly it'll be a they'll, people will forget and then so for the rest of the draft for the patriots they took th- uh three uh, interior offensive lineman, which could pave the way for possibly the Patriots trading Joe Tooney, who they franchised. And also, they get David Andrews back, uh, center for the Patriots uh, still, but he missed all of last season due to injuries. And so, hey, it's depth. So I, I'll take I'll take that. And uh, I, when you're in the when you're at the sixth round, like I just care about the fits or the the needs for the positions and. Honestly, for the entire draft, I'm—I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it either. I'm—I'm I'm 
okay with it. It seemed like a typical, basic Belichick draft. Going back to Dalton Keene, you've said this and I've heard this like every single time I hear his name, I hear this about the, oh, this is the second, they haven't doubled up since Hernandez and Gronk. Dalton Keene had I'm not, I'm not 21 saying he's going to be catches in 2019. He's not this to me. This was an awful pick. You traded up to take a tight end. Who he's a pure blocker that it played a lot of fullback. I'm not. He's I'm not H-back. saying. I'm not saying that those two are going to be Gronk and Hernandez. I'm just saying that they need tight ends at the uh, after last year when they had Ryan Izzo and Matt Lacoste who were just and, and then Ben Watson who just. Those guys just basically did nothing. I, I, I like the position. I do not like them taking. I don't like Dalton Keane. He just he's he's an H back. He's not he's not he's a he's a special teamer. And you traded up to get a special teamer to me. I, I don't I don't get that. Not you personally, but to the Patriots. Hey, nice job, to get Brian. A second teamer. <laughs> well, I mean, Belichick doesn't pay me enough to scout scout these guys. So, like, what do you want me to do? Like, try harder? <laughs> yeah. But Uchi Uchi was Uchi was a really good pick though. I, I did like that one a lot. This was a this was one the Patriots was one where I had on the bottom of my I had them like bottom five of the drafts. Wow. All right. Well, what about your Texans? Oh, I almost <laughs> cussed. Uh, oh, I mean, there was really no reviving. You gave up two firsts for Laramie Tunsil, who yeah he did really well. But you really didn't do much better with him than you would have without without him, because you know what were they? I mean, they they didn't get that far in the playoffs. They, if they won, if they beat Kansas City, you'd be like, word, that was worth two first round picks. It wasn't where they got. I was very disappointed with the season, and you just paid him. They just paid him three years, sixty six million dollars, and they so they gave up two first round picks and twenty two million dollars a year. That is really upsetting that they didn't have a first because of that. But anyway, since we're going to actual picks, Blacklock, I thought this was a great pick. You replaced DJ Reader, who left in free agency and got way overpaid by the Bengals. So, I mean, the Texans were not going to match that. Obviously, you lost Hopkins for this pick, and that's terrible. Nothing's going to change that. But since they had the pick, they did what they could with it. I think this was a really good pick. And I really like Jonathan Grenard. I thought this was a great pick. Didn't like Charlie Charlie Heck. I, I don't think that makes any sense to take a fourth round tackle that to reach on a tackle, as far as I've seen, I don't think he was ranked that high. When you have Tunsil, who again you paid a lot of money, and then you also have Titus Howard, who you used a first round pick on last year, who I really like. I think he he had a really good year I, when he was healthy. He missed a good few games last year, but he was really good. Why did you take a tackle? I don't understand that. John Reed, I like. I don't know anything about this guy, but his name's almost Justin Reed, and I love Justin Reed. Uh, actually, when I looked at John Reed, he <laughs> he looks like he is a decent playmaker, but he has a lot of drops on defense. He's he's a pretty good defender, though. He seemed like a good cornerback. He's it's a position of need, so I'm fine with it. And then Isaiah Coulter, you take in round five. I mean, he's a wide receiver out of URI, which I didn't know. I, I didn't realize people from URI were regularly drafted in the fifth round. That seems high, but uh, whatever. I don't know much about Isaiah Coulter. Perfect. Throw him in because they don't have – what they, all they have is Kenny Stills, Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Kiki Cutie, uh, the way overpaid 
Randall Cobb. Randall yeah, Cobb. whatever. Yeah. Take another receiver. Why a, not? a lot of um, just a lot take of another people receiver. are thinking Stills could get traded to the Packers. Yes. To solve their Perfect. receiver problem. Give up a second round for him and then just trade him after he does very little for you. That's wonderful. That's, <laughs> yeah, great. Oh, man, they're so poorly managed. My favorite footage from the entire draft was when Bill Bryan is, he's at his computer and then all of a sudden he just goes like, oh, what the heck? Yeah, he's, oh, <laughs> he was oh. just like cursing out. Yeah, the-, the reason, it, what pick was that? Was that It was the, the 90th pick. It was yeah, the Grenard they, pick. They had a deal to trade down. And yeah, they had a deal with Detroit, and so I'm pretty, out. I, I'm pretty sure out. he was just like cursing out Bob Quinn on the phone yeah. as they're like they, announcing the Texans selection. I loved of, his like son just being in the corner of the room, just <laughs> standing there awkwardly, like "Dad, why are you doing this on national TV?" <laughs> uh, yeah, that was definitely yeah, one of he, my favorite. He was moments. pretty <laughs> upset. They they pulled out of the trade at the last minute, and yeah. I mean, I'm kind of happy they did because I, I don't know what the trade was, but I like Grenard. I think that's a good pick out yeah, of Florida. I think Blacklock really, and Grenard are really a really good, good person too. Is all. I saw on a bunch of Texans fans saying on Twitter saying that this guy's like amazing. He's just like a really, uh, what do you call it? Like a role model type person. So I, I like it. I think whatever. I, I'm fine with it. A role model I, type I, person. I don't like in Charlie Hack. And in general, in general, I'm annoyed that at the entire uh, how poorly they are run by Bill O'Brien. But I think the draft in general was not that bad. I think it was okay. Okay, so I'll uh, I'll wrap things up here with the Steelers, who they also didn't have a first round pick, but I'm actually happy with that because they got Minka Fitzpatrick out of it, who uh, immediately made their defense one of the best in the league. Absolutely worth it. No third round pick either, although they did get a compensatory pick because they moved up to get Devin Bush, who was also really great as a rookie. So the Steelers only had six draft picks this year, um, and. I didn't love the second round pick taking wide receiver Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. I said earlier I really would have liked either J.K. Dobbins or Cam Aker. Cam Akers, a running back out of Florida State. Uh, they just had a good receiver. They're they get a guy who he's like six four, two thirty eight, and runs a, a four four two. Uh, is someone I'm pretty sure like he actually had the same measurables as Calvin Johnson. So there are a lot of people calling him Megatron Junior. Uh, and just getting another big-bodied receiver for Ben Rossberger. You know, give him someone who can help cause some matchup problems, and you throw in Eric Ebron, and you have Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington. Uh, there's a lot of lot of talent there, and Kevin Colbert is historically great at drafting wide receivers, so I'm not going to question it just yet until I see how it plays out. From there, though, I think that the Steelers draft kept getting better and better. Alex Highsmith, outside linebacker to Charlotte. He's someone who is a little bit of a project coming from a smaller school, but he had 14 sacks last year. He played really well against Clemson. Dabo Swinney was raving about him. Uh, He's someone who immediately comes in, provides depth, can contribute on special teams, and can potentially replace Bud Dupree long-term. In terms of their day three picks, I really like Anthony McFarlane Jr. and... Antoine Brooks Jr. to Maryland guys. So McFarland gives the Steelers a good uh, shifty change of pace home run hitting type back that they don't have with James Conner, Jalen Samuels, and Benny Snell. Uh, and then Antoine Brooks Jr. can ideally fill in for like the Mark Barron hybrid linebacker safety type role. Um, we'll see how much he actually contributes right away as a six round pick. Uh, Kevin Dotson, their fourth round pick in addition to McFarland Jr., he was. 
uh, someone who didn't attend the combine. I think he was actually the first player who didn't attend the combine to be drafted. Uh, but he's someone who I've seen so many great highlights of. Uh, I don't think that he'll play too huge of a role in 2020, but I could certainly see him taking over as starter down the road, especially with um, you know David DeCastro and Marquise Pouncey both getting older and coming off bad years by their standards. Uh, lastly, Carlos Davis, seventh round pick, defensive tackle out of Nebraska. Don't really know too much about him, but the Steelers lost Javon Hargrave. Getting defensive tackle up sounds pretty nice. Overall, I'm pretty satisfied with the Steelers draft. Yeah, the Steelers did okay. I think the only thing that's wrong with their draft is that outside of Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, none of the guys that they drafted aren't going to make an immediate impact. Unless if Chase Claypool out outplays James Washington, but outside of that, I don't see yeah. these picks like making the immediate first year impact i think a few of them can play an immediate role but i don't know that they'll be major contributors unless guys above them get injured but you know they they could just be one injury away from being thrown into uh, a much greater role sealers were drafting for depth always and you know drafting with 2021 in mind and i think from that perspective I'm, i'm pretty satisfied with what they did I didn't realize they got Antoine Brooks in the sixth. This is a really, that's a really good value for him. I, I had seen him projected like top of five, mid five, sixth round. Where was he? Where was that pick? Like mid six? That was 198. Yeah, 190. Is that mid sixth? Um, I think it was, yeah, probably middle to late. Middle to round. late. Yeah, that's a really good value, actually. I mean, obviously he's not going to start anytime soon, but that he's a, that's a great pick. Yeah, I mean, to me, he'll he'll be the kind of guy who could potentially play a role in certain packages right away. I don't know if he'll ever be a starting middle linebacker or starting safety in your traditional, you know, three four four three type setup. But uh, I do think that he has some potential to contribute to this team in a meaningful role. Claypool is also a beast. He, um, mm-hmm. the biggest thing about him is they they love those guys that can block from any position. They always take tight ends. Yeah, that oh, can block. It, he this can is block. one highlight. Of this him guy just can block. Driving a guy oh, into yeah. the end zone. I, I actually, when I first saw him, I, the first guy I thought of. You said Megatron. I didn't think of him, but yeah. is uh, Darren Waller, who obviously was not a high pick. He had all his problems, but he was actually drafted as a wide receiver. And now he's one of the better. He was one of the better tight ends in football last year. So that's pretty. I mean, I don't think that Chase Claypool gets moved to tight end, but the fact that he he has a pretty similar, somewhat similar build to Darren Waller when he came out, and Waller's moved to tight end. Like having a guy who they're they're pretty. That would be that's a pretty cool yeah, thing well, to have. There was uh, some thought that Claypool could be a tight end yeah. in the NFL. I don't know what it will happen with Ebron and McDonald there. Yeah, but, he yeah, doesn't need to. You have for the if you have McDonald, Ebron's not the best blocker. But if you have McDonald and Claypool and Juju who can block, you got some really. You can run pretty well out of uh, out of a two receiver, one tight end set. I mean, or, yeah even three receiver like you you have those guys both on the right i mean you can really or left or whatever you have them on one side you can really run out of that's a pretty good uh weapon to have yeah i mean it all comes down to ben staying healthy this year but they're giving him options they're yeah. ways to to make that yep. offense really good yep if he's megatron they're gonna be really happy because he was pretty <laughs> good <laughs> all right so that will wrap things up for our 2020 nfl draft coverage uh Cameron, thank you for joining us once again. Hopefully we'll have an NFL season uh, you know, at some point, ideally on time in September. We can bring you back on then to talk more football in the future. Uh, but for now, um, for my, my co-hosts, Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells, I'm Gordon Novotny. Thanks, everyone. 